resurrection assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. May 8th, 2022. Today's scriptures are Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25, and Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. All things common. Do you give me a thumbs up? All right, I'll take that as a thumbs up. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Pastor Abby preached last week about one of the most about how one of the most concrete ways we can show our brotherly and sisterly love to one another as people of the resurrection is by sharing our stuff. And it hit me, and I said this to Pastor Abby later in the week, that I'm really used to hearing this. Doesn't make it easy necessarily, but I'm really used to hearing this. Um, I wrote an entire book about this passage. It's on Amazon for your purchase. Actually, don't buy it on Amazon. Just go to the publisher if you want it, or better yet, I'll just give you one. I'm not up here to, uh, to make my publisher any more money than they've already made. It hit me that I'm used to hearing this passage. Um, and when you get used to hearing something, sometimes it can kind of take the edge off a little bit and you, uh, it, it, it starts feeling a little bit obvious and you forget just how radical it is in and of its own rights, but also to those who might be hearing it for the first time. And this passage was somewhat of a theme for us early on when I first came to the church, and I felt like it was time that the Spirit was leading for us to to come back to it and reground ourselves. So I want to reiterate in part what is so radical. I'm also going to, so I'm going to first talk about how we know it is in fact so radical, and then talk very briefly about what we should be doing. You ready? Thanks. So these verses that I just read are verses that describe the first Christian community, the first church. It's a snapshot of the earliest church's life together. To get to these verses, Jesus has already died. He's he's already been raised from the dead. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he has poured out the Holy Spirit on the church. People are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're being baptized in Jerusalem, and the church is formed. After they are baptized, these verses that I just read, this is what they do together. These verses, in other words, are what it looks like to be the resurrection people, because that's what the earliest church was and what we continue to be. So let me go through them one by one, or the the things that come up in these verses, and explain them to you. Well, how they were once explained to me, which I thought was uh, a good way of of unpacking it. So first, it says that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Keep those Bibles open because you can follow right or wrong. 
right along. Acts chapter 2, verses 42, that's where we're at. It says the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's pretty straightforward and acceptable, I think. The apostles' teaching is what we have in the Bible. Is everybody okay with the Bible here? I hope so. It's what we preach from week to week, right? So we can call that good. We can say, yes, what the early churches was doing, we're continuing to do that. Next, it says they had fellowship. That's church family dinner. It's breakfast on Sundays and coffee. It's Easter goodie bags from Sherry and Terry. It's also when we shake hands and greet one another in the name of the Lord and in peace. And when we talk before and after church together, that's fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship is us being friends together and doing what friends do. Lovely, right? So we're on board. Next, it says that the earliest church devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That's communion. Jesus took bread, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. So we do it as well. On the road to Emmaus, if you know the story, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And in that moment that he broke it, the disciples' eyes were opened and they recognized him. We celebrate the Lord's Supper here every week. We break the bread, we drink the cup, we are one. And all the kids say, amen. They're with me. So all good there too, I think, right? It says they also devoted themselves to prayer. Got that too. We say the Lord's Prayer. We give thanks and testimony. We pray from this pulpit. Pastor Abby led us this morning. We have pre-service prayer. Joyce and Moria are in this room, 15 minutes before church starts, praying. We pray on Wednesday nights at church family dinner. Again, pretty straightforward church stuff that we're all used to, right? Then, the passage says, and you can follow along here, it says that there was awe because signs and wonders were taking place. You know, we've had a few signs and wonders here at Resurrection Assembly of God. We pray for people here at the altars every week and anoint them with oil. We pray a prayer of faith and believe that the Lord will raise them up. We have seen some people healed. We have seen people have their debts canceled. We read about that in the Old Testament this morning. And, lest we forget, we baptized six people on Easter. And that's a miracle of death and resurrection. If you are not in awe of what God is doing in our midst, stick around a bit until your jaw drops. So we're all on board with what the church is doing here, right? Okay, Bible reading, fellowship, communion, prayer, and miracles. But then we have verses 44 and 45. Now take a deep breath here. These verses say, And they had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Uh-oh. Where'd that one come from? All of this church stuff that we're super used to, and then the Bible has to go and throw in something that makes me very uncomfortable. This part about sharing our stuff doesn't sound like some of the churches that I grew up in. Uh, Pastor Abby, do you think 
that some radical got hold of my Bible and wrote this in as, I don't know, extra just before it went to print? She's shaking her head. So are you saying it's in your Bible too? Wow. Okay. Oh, dear. I'm being facetious. Uh, This is actually really serious stuff. What comes after this description, right? So we have verses, we have the the fellowship, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the prayers. Then we have the stuff about all things common. And then the rest of the passage that we already read, what comes after that description is that they had all things common, is is, uh, everything else is just reiterated again. They go to the temple and pray. They break bread in their homes. That's in verse 46. And they have glad and generous hearts and have favor with all the people. They praise God. In other words, nothing new emerges after the description of having them all, having all things common. Instead, we find a complete picture of the church with sharing possessions being the central feature that is framed by the things that we all easily associate with what it means to be church. And maybe you're asking yourself, if this has been here all this time, for a couple thousand years, if sharing your possessions was supposed to, from the beginning, be part and parcel of praying and fellowshipping and communing and singing praises to God, then why does it seem so radical? You know, we can go into a long history of it, but I think the answer is pretty simple. So here's the reason why I think that the church, perhaps this hasn't been as common of a feature as the other ones. We have loved our possessions. We have loved our money. We have loved our stuff more than we have loved our neighbors. So we have, as a matter of routine, excused ourselves from the radical call of the gospel to live as if all our things are common to all of us. Now, some of you perhaps are starting to get a little nervous. Perhaps some of you are worried that I'm going to suggest that you sell all your stuff and give to the poor. Well, I don't know, Jesus said that to a couple of people, so I don't know what to tell you there. Um, There's a lot to say here, though. Pastor Abby will give us more guidance next week, right? Or not, two weeks from now, because my father's preaching next week. Uh, But let me bring bring this back to the starting place of why this has to make sense and where we can, how we can begin thinking about this. This is the starting place. All of our stuff, all of our money, all of our belongings, they belong to God. My house is God's house. Charles's phone is God's phone. Emily's car is God's car. The jacket you wore to church today If you wore a jacket, if not that, then, I don't know, your socks. Your socks are God's socks. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Jesus' resurrection proves that is true. And that's why the earliest church, the resurrection people, lived the way they did. Once we get that into our heads, that all of our stuff is God's stuff, It can both, and hear me out on this, because this is really important. If all of our stuff is God's stuff, that can both distance us from our possessions, and it can draw us closer to them. Let me explain. When all of our stuff is God's stuff, it can distance us from our possessions, because we can say, 
this is not mine. We can say that about everything that we have. It's not mine, and that pushes a distance between us. But it can also, as I already said, draw us closer to them. Because when we say this thing is not mine, we no longer treat our possessions as if they're just disposable and trivial. We can look at each and everything God has allowed us to have in our possession and say, how can this pair of shoes be used for God's kingdom? They're not my shoes, so I can have a little bit of distance from them, but I also know that God has put them on my feet or in my closet or on my shoe rack. I don't know where you keep your shoes. But you can say, how can these shoes be used for the kingdom of God? We've had a few people in this church who have shared shoes with each other. Not like back and forth, like, you know, extra pairs of shoes were given to people who didn't have shoes. And the answer will no doubt be when we say, how you know, can my shoes be used for the kingdom of God? That they can go on someone else's feet. How can this car that God has allowed me to have in my possession be used for God's kingdom? I don't know, to go to graduation maybe? At the very least, you can give someone a ride to church, as many of you do. See, so you're already doing it, and you don't even realize it. And we can do this with every single possession that we have. So here's my challenge to you, to us, because I'm, I'm in this as well. This week, let's look at our possessions. Maybe we could even do like a catalog, one by one, and say to God in prayer, this blunder, it's yours, God. This bread knife that I'm about to cut this bread with, it's yours, God. This phone is yours, God. This pair of jeans, they're yours, God. When you do this, you're loving God. So well done when you do it. And when you love God, you can't help but to begin loving your neighbor. And God will show you what your neighbor needs and how he has given you possessions to treat not as your own, but as his. And as they are his possessions, they are also for others to use for his kingdom purposes. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. So let me close with this. We give offering here every week. So while I said that having all things common is not something most of us perhaps learned in church. Perhaps I was also wrong to say that. I don't know. Or not totally wrong, at least. Merely that we have not seen what we have already begun to do. When you give 10% of your income to the church, that's what we call our tithe as Christians. When you give that 10%, you're saying... You're saying to God, you're saying to yourself, and you're saying to your neighbors, my money is God's money. And you're saying, my money is not just for me, it's for others. Because, well, you know, God doesn't need money. God doesn't even use money. Uh, God really wants us to give money to your church so that he can use your money to help others. And that is what we do here at church, not just with your tithe, but with your benevolence giving, which goes to food, clothing, housing, and sometimes transportation. And your missions giving, 
which is going to help bring the love of Jesus through concrete actions all over the world. So do that, what I said. You know, look at your stuff. Maybe as soon as you get into a car today, just acknowledge that it's God's car. Whether it belongs to you or not, just acknowledge it's God's car. If someone else gave you a ride today, get in that car and say, oh, you got a nice car here, God. Even if it's not so nice, it performs a function, okay? So do that this week, but let us also abound all the more in giving. Let us abound in the common life God has given us here, and let us love one another by having all things common. Um, the other two concrete ways I've already mentioned twice, we can bring some food to Nate and Maria. That's having all things common. If you don't have time to make a casserole or some other meal that would be helpful, you, you can also just give them a gift card so that they can order takeout so they don't have to clean up a lot of dishes and stuff like that, all right? We want to bless them and count all of our stuff as theirs. Oh, and the lawn. This lawn is God's lawn at the church. But it's also your lawn because God has given you this lawn to use for his kingdom purposes. So come and mow the lawn a couple times this summer, all right? And, and as you mow it, you can say, you got a nice mower here, God. <laughs> My, this, this grass you grew, God, is very nice. And the tulips, the tulips won't be here all summer, but there will be other flowers coming up. And we can thank God for those. So uh, we're going to come to the communion table here momentarily. I want to say this. Jesus has given us this meal we're about to eat. He gave it to us. And this is another moment where we realize that everything we have is God's. It is a moment for us to remember that no matter how much we have, you could be Elon Musk here with, I don't know how many billions of dollars he has, and he couldn't buy the Lord's Supper. He wouldn't be able to buy it because God only gives it for free. We all come to him with nothing that is able to buy the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus can't be bought. It, he only gives himself freely. And that is, in fact, how he's going to give, him to give himself to us today. So will you stand to your feet and let us consecrate ourselves to the Lord and pray over this meal that we're about to share.